You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What is going on, guys? Hope that you are doing well. We are starting a brand new series this week entitled A Life in Exile, Life in Exile. And we are going to walk through some significant points in the book of Daniel. The entire story of Daniel is about someone who wasn't allowed to be somewhere familiar or comfortable. It was not home, and thus the title, Life in Exile. Um, If you're not familiar with the book of Daniel, it is in the Old Testament about two-thirds of the way through. And it is just an incredible story, not of just Daniel, but of multiple people who get brought in to this kingdom of Babylon and make a significant difference. And we'll touch on a couple different people throughout the next month or so. But we're going to start right at the beginning, Daniel chapter 1. And and the reason I want to start at the very beginning of Daniel chapter 1 is it's going to lay a foundation that will allow us to look at all the other life events that happen with a little bit more clarity. Um, and before before we jump in, I want to talk about the context just a little bit. So many of us have a hard time reading our Bibles because it can understand, understandably be confusing. Um, there are so many different literary styles and time periods and, and authors and all of these different things that are happening, inspired by God to, to compile what is now the canon of Scripture. And sometimes we get frustrated by things and some of us want to take everything super literally and some of us want to take nothing literally at all. And and what I think has been one of the most transformational things for me is I've read the scripture over the, the years is context, cultural, historical context. It's going to change everything about the way you read the Bible when you know who wrote it, who it was written to, when it was written, those types of things. And so chapter one, um, especially the first part of chapter one, lays some foundational context that will will serve us in the future. Um, my buddy Matt Frick sometimes says, is this sermon informational or transformational? I hope that it's both, um, but definitely the front half of this will be a little bit informational. So all that to say, we're going to start in Daniel chapter one, right at verse one. And it says this, In the third year of the reign of King Joachim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him, along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. If you're looking for baby names, uh, Joachim, Nebuchadnezzar, we got a couple more coming up. This is this is your chapter. This is the one. This is going to be the the baby names of 2023. So, just because the Israelites were God's chosen people, it's important for us to understand that that, that did not keep God from letting them be conquered. It did not keep them from suffering. The nation of Judah, a part of Israel, was not living according to the plan of God. They were being rebellious. And so it kind of got to the point where God was like, all right, if you're going to do your thing instead of my thing, I'm not going to prevent this from happening. So in Babylon, this superpower, one of the most powerful nations ever, comes and knocks on their door and says, hey, it's about to go down. He's like, yeah, you guys are going to lose this battle. And he allows them to get conquered. Maybe someday we'll do a full uh, series on the theology of suffering. I think that there's something really important about knowing how to suffer well, because in this life there will be suffering. And that's our first point, is that suffering is a part of life. 
I know that that's not like a revolutionary point. Most of us understand that life will not be perfect. But I think I think many of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus believe that because we surrender, we've surrendered our life to Jesus, that life will be easier. And unfortunately, a lot of us believe that that's somewhere in Scripture, that Jesus said, come and you know follow me, behold my might, behold my majesty, and life will be easy. It will just be simple and free of pain and free of suffering. It's, that's nowhere. It's nowhere in Scripture. What is in Scripture is, in this life you will fi- find suffering. In this life you will find trials. In this fi- life you will find tribulation. In this life you will find persecution, if you follow me. And then Jesus says, and because of all that, come follow me. And people have been for thousands of years, because what we understand is that the life that God has for us, while not easy, while not suffering-free, will have eternal purpose, and we will get to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. There's something more, that the freedom found in understanding the grace and the mercy, the forgiveness, the love of Jesus, all of those things, is so worth any suffering that we might come up against on this temporary life that we are living here on earth. So suffering is a part of life. Life became imperfect the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that the intention for God was to give a perfect world to a sin-free people, and we ruin that. And still to this day, despite our best intention times, we are broken, we are fallible, we are messy. So we cause suffering. I want to I want to try to avoid getting into too much theology when it comes to suffering, but I do want to just like make a, a statement is that God isn't causing suffering in your life. He isn't saying like I'm mad and I'm spiteful and so I'm going to like give you cancer, I'm going to hit you with a lightning bolt. But God doesn't prevent things from happening because our humanity is broken, our world is broken, and there's free will, and there's so many things that happen. And so someday we'll unpack a lot of that. But like God allowing Judah to be conquered, sometimes he allows things to test us in our lives as well. So suffering is a part of life. Verses 3 through 4 go on to say this. The king ordered Ashpenaz, another baby name, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. So the next point is this, is that Daniel was taken from comfort. So so we're going to set some some... Uh, clear foundational points here is that Daniel was taken from comfort. Where he came from, it wasn't like he was plucked out of um, a terrible situation and placed in a really, really good one in an affluent kingdom. He was taken and he was nobility. He was good looking. He was smart. He had a lot going for him. And Daniel's faithfulness to God throughout the story will be a thematic element. And it becomes even more amazing when you realize what he was taken from. He wasn't taken from terrible into good. He was taken taken from good into a country that couldn't care less about his culture or his faith or really him as a person. Um, I think that it, it begs a question. Some of us are in a really good spot. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, if that was taken from us today, 
if we've been here for a long time or maybe we finally like arrived into a place that we're like, man, I feel pretty good about this. If it was taken from us, what would our response be? Would we still be faithful? Would we still be obedient? Even if our situation isn't ideal. Because it, it asks, it begs us to ask this question, is my faithfulness tied to my circumstance? Is my faithfulness tied to my circumstance? The problem for many of us is that it's easy to be faithful when we presume that God is being faithful, but when it may seem like he's being distanced, we tend to distance ourselves from faithfulness. We tend to distance ourselves from obedience. And I wonder if we could be people who are faithful because of who he is, not because of what is happening in our lives. That is who we are looking to become. People who are faithful because we know who Jesus is, not faithfulness that's tied to our circumstance. So the story goes on to say in verses 6 through 7, it says, Among them from the Judites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief unit gave them names. He gave them names Belteshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. So he gives them these new names, and they really are um, like slave names. They are, these are Babylonian names given to, to the Judites. And if you've grown up in church, you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? We know the story. We'll, we'll touch on that later on in this series. Um, but it's really important for us to remember that the conquering of Judah led not only to Daniel being in Babylon, but also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And all four of them will play massive roles in Babylon, a country where they are exiles. They are not a part of Babylon. They are exiles. They have been conquered and kidnapped and taken to Babylon. And before we move on, I think we look at this, we have to look at a point that will really serve as an anchor for this entire sermon series. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is a truth of you. If you're not, one, I'm really glad that you're listening to the podcast. And two, this is a truth of the people in your life that have called Jesus the Savior and Lord of their lives. And here's the truth. We are exiles. We are exiles. This place is not our home. Just like Daniel, you and I are living in Babylon. We weren't taken from one kingdom into another. We were born into Babylon. What God has for us in eternity is beyond anything that we could even comprehend. But in the meantime, what we have to do is we have to learn how to live here and live here well. How do we live in the midst of Babylon as people who are not citizens of earth, but citizens of heaven? The Apostle Peter gives us some insight on how that should look in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. And at the time, he's going to say, he's going to use the word Gentiles, which just meant um, any non-Jewish people. But after Jesus, Gentiles really was a term that was used in anybody who wasn't following Jesus. So 1 Peter, talking to the church, says, Conduct yourself honorably among the Gentiles, so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Honor the emperor. So he's honor everyone. Love your brothers and sisters, fear God, and honor the emperor. We have that insight from Peter on how to navigate our lives as, as citizens of heaven, as citizens of, of the following of Jesus, more than being citizens of any country or principality or whatever it may be. But I would like to submit to you that Peter didn't come up with this on his own. Right? He followed a guy around. His name was Jesus uh, for three years, and he got to watch Jesus model what it meant to live on earth 
And if anybody could claim that their citizenship was somewhere else, it was Jesus. And yet they, he saw him and the disciples saw him and the followers of Jesus saw him interact with people, whether it be Jew, Gentile, and, and in among, amongst that, believing Jews, unbelieving Jews, believing Gentiles, unbelieving Gentiles, you know, common Gentile and Roman centurion or, you know, he, he, he got to interact with so many different people and never, ever, ever refused to have a posture of honor. So Daniel chapter 1 verses 8 through 10 is how Daniel, hundreds of years before Jesus is actually here, and, and hundreds of years before Peter gets to model this in his own life, and Peter actually gets to learn not just from following Jesus, but from reading stories like the story we find in Daniel. So Daniel chapter 1 verses 8 through 10 goes on to say this. It says, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king. So there's lots to unpack here, but the first one is this. Through the life of Jesus... Through this example by Daniel, this is what we see, that posture of honor, posture of honor. The way that Daniel approaches the head eunuch in the situation is all honor. Daniel did not immediately demand something because his culture and way of living was superior. It says that he asked permission. Daniel chose honor even when in Babylon. Please, please, please understand this. I'm not saying that we have to let the world or quote unquote culture walk all over us. But what I am saying is that for you and I, as followers of Jesus, we have to understand that we can simultaneously do what God is asking us to do without starting a war with the culture around us. We can simultaneously do what God is asking us to do without starting a war with the people around us. Way too often we see being countercultural as something that we need to be. And that's true. That's a true statement. The church followers of Jesus are called to be countercultural. But too often what we ha- what happens is that we see countercultural as something that is in opposition to. We see being countercultural as being in opposition to. We're going to fight for what we believe and, and we don't like you and, and you don't like us. And that's okay because we're standing on the truth and you're standing on a throne of lies and all these different things. And we all of a sudden there's this opposition and division that is happening in the way that we interact with culture and the world around us. It's important that as being people who are called to be countercultural, we understand that it's not about being in opposition to something. It's about being set apart from something. Let me say that again. It's not about being in opposition to something. It's about being set apart from something. I do not refuse to do X, Y, and Z because I hate culture. I do not refuse to do X, Y, and Z because I hate people who are who are immersed in that culture. I do the things that I do because I love Jesus. And if those things don't line up, it's because I love Jesus. I'm not in opposition to you. I'm set apart from you because God has called me to be set apart from the world. I'm called to live in it, not of it. And as followers of Jesus, that's that's the position that we need to have. And it doesn't mean that we're superior people. I think that oftentimes it's like, oh, I don't do that because I follow Jesus. And people are like, great, I don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. And we're like, what? I can't believe that people who don't believe that Jesus is the son of God would act like people who don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. Like, can we, can we just stop being shocked that culture acts like culture? And can we start trying to do whatever we can to bring Jesus right into the middle of places that 
he's not being worshiped, that we get to be tangible representations of Jesus, his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece. Let's go. Let's go to those places. There's another element of these couple of verses that I absolutely love, and it's this, is that location didn't determine God's presence. Daniel was forced to leave Judah, but God did not leave Daniel. Judah moved, and God moved right along with him. So many of us are guilty of seeing God as being confined to singular times or spaces, or seeing God as being present in some circumstances or situations, but not others. But let me just speak this out for those of us who are unsure. We move, we change, we waver, we worry, we doubt. He doesn't. All of those things are human attributes. Worry, doubt, wavering, you know, trying to move from one place to the other to change our circumstance, all of those different things. But God is consistent. Hebrews says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And at the end of the book of Matthew, as he's he's giving the disciples the Great Commission, it says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't end there. He says, and surely I will be with you until the very end of the age. And surely I will be with you until the very end of the age. And if he said that he was going to be with us at every moment, would we believe that he is who he said he is and that he's going to do what he said he was going to do? Our physical location cannot and will not inhibit God from being present. Full stop. Daniel got removed from Judah and placed in Babylon, and God was just as present with him in Babylon as he was in Judah. He got taken to a foreign superpower that did not care about him, that did not care about his faith, and yet God granted him kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch, that God was still moving and, and working through people in a kingdom that did not worship him. At the very beginning of this, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, it says that, that the king took vessels and put them in the treasury of his God. This wasn't a, a Yahweh-believing, Adonai-believing, God-believing country. They were worshiping idols and other false gods. And yet God was still present in the middle of the kingdom, working through his follower, Daniel. It reminds me of a, a conversation that I had uh, a few months ago. I was, I was talking to a couple different guys who were doing ministry in different parts of the country. And one of these guys just kind of made an offshoot comment, but it's really stuck with me. Um, he pastors outside of a, a metropolitan area and he's like, yeah, I went into the city and um, it was wild. Like it was, it was hell on earth. God is not present there. And all I could think of in that was just well, like, well, first of all, I'm just like squirming inside my skin because I just didn't love the statement. I don't agree with the statement. I, I, I truly believe that God is everywhere and that he can work through the messiest of situations but I understood where this guy was coming from. And and all I could think of as I was reading the story of Daniel is that Daniel could have had a posture and looked at Babylon and said, like, yeah, God is not here. God is not in that kingdom. But instead, he, he will become someone who is immersed in that kingdom, is immersed in that culture, and says, no, God is here because God is with me. And if God is with me, God is right in the middle of this kingdom. Would that be true of our lives as well? But as we look at the world around us, even when things seem messy and even things when, even when things seem like they're so far from what God would intend, that we would say, okay, but how can I inject Jesus right into the middle of this situation? And the answer is often going to be by going there, by being there. Well, that group of friends does stupid things. You should step into it and be an influencer. 
an influencer for Jesus, a, a person who is going to impact people towards the kingdom of God. So, Daniel goes to Babylon and sees a mission of turning it upside down and just, just injecting God into the middle of this kingdom. The next couple of verses go on to say that Daniel asks to eat veggies and water, and for the next 10 days, the chief eunuch allows it, and at the end of 10 days, shockingly, um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all look more healthy, more fit than any of the other men that are in this Babylonian University 101, whatever you want to call it. And so they're like, hey, yeah, let's let's keep doing that. And if you think beauty standards and stuff like now are weird, like think about that. Like, hey, we're going to control your diet and then we're going to present you in front of a king and he's going to say yes or no to you based on your physical appearance and hopefully some of your smarts too. Like, thank God we don't live in Babylon uh, thousands of years ago and we can just work through our own issues of 2023. <laughs> so it goes on to say this. Um, Daniel chapter one, verses 17 through 21, it says, God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So here's a little bit more context. Daniel remains there for decade upon decade upon decade and serves king upon king upon king of this nation of Babylon as a God-fearing, God-believing advisor to the king. Like This is incredible. He makes a massive, massive impact on what happens in the nation of Babylon through trial and tribulation and good times and bad times. So the next point is this, is that God gave and God gives. God gave and God gives. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will all impact Babylon in their stories, and they're still being told thousands of years later, but it wasn't just about them. It wasn't about these men. It was about the fact that these men were obedient to a great God who equipped them with all kinds of knowledge and understanding, every kind of literature, language, all of these different things, that God equipped them because of their obedience. Would we understand that God is still doing the same thing today, that if we're obedient, God will equip us to make an impact on the world around us. If we remain faithful, he will give us everything that we need to do what we're called to do. And I think that this is a really important point. God wants your obedience more than he wants your gifts. You're like, yeah, but I, I'm an incredible vocalist, or I'm super smart, or I'm creative, or I'm this. I, man, I, I really empathize with people. All this, Those are all amazing things, and God has given you those for a reason. But they will not be as effective as they can be unless you are obedient and faithful to the call that God has placed on your life. God takes our gifts and through our obedience exponentially increases them. So would we be people who focus more on obedience to the calling of God than our gifts? Don't let our gifts be what drives us, but obedience what drives us and watch God use our gifts. I want to wrap up with this. God did not send Daniel into Babylon to destroy it. He didn't say like, hey, this is like a James Bond. Like I'm going to put you right in the middle of this and and we're going to do something incredible and you're going to, you're going to just destroy Babylon from the inside. No, he said, hey, I'm going to put you in the middle of that to affect it, to influence it, to show it that God is bigger than it. God isn't sending us either into culture and the world around us to destroy it, but to affect it, 
to influence it, to show it that God is bigger than it. We are not in opposition to, we are set apart from. And as we are set apart from, culture will see what's going on in the movement of Jesus and they will say, I think we want to be a part of that. So here we go. Exiles in Babylon. Let's watch God move. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.